0: tonight in your house we thank you for holding off the snow long enough for us to get one more Bible study we pray that you would watch over everyone as they travel bless our Bible study tonight watch over all of those involved both tonight and tomorrow and through the upcoming days God we give you thanks we give you praise in Jesus wonderful name amen amen Appreciate those who have joined us in our 90-day challenge, and uh, we're seeing fruit from it. We're thankful for that. So remember, every day, 20 minutes of prayer, at least two invites, three chapters of the Bible. As we continue to invite folks, God will continue to save people and increase the church. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We just introduced the uh, section to you last week, and so we get to go a little deeper tonight. Hebrews, chapter 11. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're going to read down, then we'll come back. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think we'll stop right there. All right. So we introduced this last week and we told you uh, from the very beginning, one of Paul's main purposes in the book of Hebrews was to encourage these people. He had to instill and give them faith. And so he laid out all these evidences of why they should believe. And he told them, the penalty for not believing. And so in chapter 11, this is the famous Faith Hall of Fame in the Word of God, a great uh, section to read sometime if you're ever discouraged. You just need to have your faith stirred up. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Read of these examples who have gone before. We shared with you last week about faith being the hypostasis, the thing which is underneath, that which holds up a building, that which holds up a contract, if you could think of it in another way, you could think of a pillar, and that strong pillar upon which everything else is built. If you think of it that way, you understand how critical it is that that pillar stands. If you take down the pillar, the whole edifice comes down, and so it's crucial to us that we continue to feed our faith, to make sure the pillar is healthy, to make sure the pillar is not decaying. In the modern world, you sometimes read of people who have deconstructed. They may even say that they've lost their faith. Somewhere along the line, they've opened up their heart to doubt, and doubt rushed in like a river and washed away their faith. Their whole spiritual edifice came crashing down. That's a sad thing. Where do you go when you no longer have faith in God? What do you believe in if you don't believe in Him? Now, let's go a little bit further and and read some more. When he says faith is the substance of things hoped for, then he says the evidence of things not seen. Now, in the original Greek, there's two words there, not just one word. And those two words are pragmatos alekos. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but I don't know if any Greek experts are here tonight. If you are, you can tell me how to do it right afterwards. But it's, it's translated into the single word evidence, but when you take them separately, you get a stronger feeling. Pragmatos is where we get pragmatic. So when he talks about... Evidence, he's talking about not something that you believe it's just plucked out of the air. He's talking about something that's been tried, something that's been proven, something that has a foundation. So this pragmatic. And then the second word, elikos, it means uh, a thought or belief that has been cross-examined, that has been questioned, that has been tested for validity or reality. It's brought to a place of proof, and placed under scrutiny for possible um, confutation. Faith, then, is based upon that which is tested and crucial. So we have this pillar. Faith is the substance. Then we have this evidence, things that have been tried. They've looked at it. People have poked around on it. They've found that it's true. And because of all that, we're glad you're here. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Because of all that, we can have faith in God. Now, one one thing that we're going to see as we go forward is God was going to, no one is going to believe God unless that person believes God knows what he is talking about. No one is going to believe God unless that person believes God knows what he is talking about. Even experts sometimes are not how should I say, sometimes are faking it because they're taught certain things and they haven't experienced, they haven't had those beliefs tried. And it's not until those beliefs are actually tried that they can find out whether what they thought is actually true or not. Do you follow? And so when it comes to us believing in God, we're believing in one that we believe knows what he's talking about. I'm not going to go to a surgeon that can't cut his sandwich in half. Amen? You don't want to trust somebody that say, oh, yeah, my grandmother had that. All you need to do is uh, go down and, and uh, you, rub some, you rub some garlic on your forehead and put some on your socks and the bottom of your feet, everything will be fine. You wonder, does this person know what they're talking about? Amen? But when it comes to God... We can understand and we can have faith because it's tried. It's proven. Now, when you're a brand-new Christian, you might not have uh, the whole scope of faith tried and proven, but you've had this. You know what God has done in your life. He's forgiven you of your sins. Amen? i got to go a little further. Come on, we'll see it. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand That the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. First, let's take that first little phrase. It's a little phrase with a great big meaning. By faith we understand. A little phrase with a large truth. No one was there when the world was created. Except God. Amen? And the angels of that, that shouted as God created. But no, none of us were there. None of the scientists were there. And so even when they come out and say, well, this is how it happened, they don't know because they weren't there. Amen? And so sometimes you look at them and you wonder, now why, why do people have such faith in some of these people? Because they're just making it up as they go. Well, we think as carbon dating and the, and the years went back there that this must have happened and that must have happened. But they don't know. Now, the same thing goes with us. We don't know because we weren't there. But faith makes us understand because God, who has proved himself trustworthy, who has shown himself real, who we have tried time after time, has told us this is how it was at the beginning. And so if somebody has told you and they've been reliable 30 years or 50 years or your whole life, you tend to believe what they're saying. So when we have tested God and we've tried him, and then he says, well, let me tell you, this is how the world was created. By faith, we understand. If you take away faith, it's like taking away the glasses of somebody who has very poor vision. Everything becomes blurry. Nothing's clear anymore. And there's something about it when you put those glasses on and suddenly Words that were just a a confusion become crystal clear. Now I understand. Faith is that thing that makes everything clear to us. By faith we understand. The big brains that that insist upon the Big Bang cannot know for a certainty. They were not there. But the other thing that's amazing, I want you to think about this, because God is telling the scientists what took place. He said... Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear, meaning they were made of unseen things. Now, check this out. We know now, scientists tell us, you break down whatever it is, a phone, a watch, a microphone, you take it all the way down and to the molecular structure, to the, the, um, the protons and the neutrons and electrons to the atomic uh, uh, beginning of it all and enough of those protons, neutrons, electrons, and atomic and molecular structure piled upon each other, all of a sudden it becomes something that we can see, something that we can touch, something that we can experience. But if you break them all the way down, it's just energy. It's nothing. So we understand, just like... We, uh, the scientists tell us now, this phone, you break it all the way down, it's made of things that you don't even see, and yet it becomes tactile and, and, and evident in our hands today. So it's as if God was telling us exactly this way back then. Things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I'm telling you that God created. He's saying he created everything out of this unseen matter. You know, a cook or a baker takes ingredients and they mix them together and they they bake something or they cook something. They don't create anything because they take readily accessible ingredients and they put them together to do something with them. But God created because out of nothing, he made something. It's a difference. Going on. The Unseen energy, protons, neutrons, electrons, making up the atom, stacks up enough to create a structure, and enough of them creates something solid and visible. All from things that are in themselves, by themselves, just energy. Let's go on. Verse 4 and 5, we have our first witnesses. Two men, simple men, Abel and Enoch, who are known simply because of their faith. Verse 4 By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead yet speaketh. You remember I told you last week that really we could sum up every sin as a lack of faith. We chose to do something because we thought it would be more pleasurable than doing it God's way. We, we did not have faith in what God said. When you think about Abel, you can see it quite clearly in Cain, Abel believed God. He made the sacrifice that God said to make. He trusted that what God said to do was right. And so he acted on that faith. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Cain did not believe God. He did not offer the sacrifice that God said. He thought he knew better. Now, anytime we think we know better, we are really taking the place of God. You are sitting down on the throne yourself. I don't think I need to do that because I know better than God. Every sin could be summed up as as an example of unbelief. So Abel offered the more excellent sacrifice because he believed God. He believed God God, if you tell me to offer this animal sacrifice, I'm going to trust you that it's going to accomplish what you say. And it did for him. By faith, Enoch was translated. Now, when you think think of the word trans, it means across. So he was taken from this world across to the next world. It doesn't mean he was made Spanish or French, if you're thinking that he's translated. What does that mean? He was taken from this world into the next world. Now, it's interesting because if you look at uh, the timeline, you'll find that Enoch was alive for about 65 years. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And then he had a child. And then it said, Enoch, walk with God. And it was then when that child was given to him that he seemed to start his walk with God food for thought. Maybe it was because when that baby was placed into his hands, he understood, I need God to help me. I can't raise this child on my own. I can't watch over them 24 hours a day. I need God to watch over them. Maybe he looked at the world and said, man, this world is a wicked world. I've got to pray. And he began walking with God. And as you walk with God, it became precious to God. There was somebody who thought it was more important to spend time with Him, God, than anything else. And after He walked with God 300 years, God said, Hey, Enoch, why don't you come on up here into heaven? We'll continue this conversation. What was that like? What was that like? Enoch's up there, he's just praying. God, you're so good. I love you, God. You've been good all these years. I love getting up every morning and spending time with you. 300 300 years worth of mornings, God. You've been good to me all these years. And then maybe he turned one time and took a step and suddenly he's in the presence of God. (laughs) I don't know how it happened, but man, that must have been something, amen? Makes you want to keep on praying, amen? amen. And what would happen if what would happen if we died while we were praying? Wouldn't it be like that? If you were praying, maybe you knelt down. Uh, um, Williams' previous school uh, was run by a pastor, and the pastor died. That's why they closed that school. We ended up finding him a different school. Thank God, it's a good school where he's at now. But the pastor died, and. We talked to the pastor's wife later. We saw her, and she said, he went down from the pulpit area to pray with somebody, and as he prayed with them, he fell over and had a heart attack. Now, we don't know. We know that one day we're going to die. We know that one day we're going to leave this life. We don't know how. Wouldn't it be great if we left it doing what God wanted us doing, (laughs) left it in the house of God? I'm not asking all of us to die at the same time in church, you know. We're trying to keep the attendance up for a little while. (laughs) anyhow. right. (laughs) Like Billy Graham was uh, inviting that kid to uh, church. He said, hey, I'm preaching a a meeting down here at so-and-so place. Why don't you come? He said, no. He said, well, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, well, yes. He said, well, why don't you come? He said, well, I thought you were trying to get up a a crew to go right now. So little boy said, "I, I, I like this life. I want to live a little longer. He didn't know yet. So simple faith of Abel. He believed God, offered the sacrifice God said to, and it worked. Simple faith of Enoch. He walked with God. He walked with God. We're surrounded by a lot of inputs. Now you got a phone that can bring you knowledge from around the world. It can also bring you filth from around the world. You can read your Bible on it, and you can look at naked people on it if you wanted to. You could read and listen to things that would encourage your faith, or you could read and look at and listen to things that would undermine your faith. But really, the choice is up to us. But if Enoch learned a simple lesson, it was, let me spend time with God. And we know it was precious to God because God took him to heaven. Did you know that Enoch hasn't died yet? Enoch and Elijah are the two men that haven't died yet. Sometimes they ask Bible trivia, who was the oldest man in the Bible? And they'll say Methuselah. He was 969 years old. Well, I think that would be inaccurate. It would probably be Enoch. Amen. He hasn't died yet. He's got several thousand years. Can you imagine what his birthday cake looks like with all those candles? Amen. <laughs> My goodness. They're known simply by their faith, which reminds me, today is Reverend Grove's birthday. So he is a bunch of years old today. Amen. I think today he's 50 years old. Can you believe it? He still looks good for being 50. All right, wish him happy birthday on the way out. So no one is going to believe God unless they know that God knows what he is talking about. Prove him, try him, test him. God said the same thing, didn't he? He was talking about finances. He said, prove me now herewith. See if I won't open you the windows of heaven. But I think you could take that into every realm. God, I'm going to prove you. Because your word says they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm sick. I'm going to lay my hands on myself. I'm going to prove what your word says. God, your word says that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I need to sense your presence right now. I'm going to prove what your word says. I don't think that you're going to offend God by trying what his word says. Going on. Now, Here's what we get to. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. He hasn't died yet. Was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. I don't know what my tombstone, if I end up with a tombstone, will say, but that would be a pretty good epitaph, wouldn't it? He pleased God. That would be about as good as anything that anybody could ever write about you. He pleased God. And how did he please God? All we know about him was he walked with God. So he pleased God by daily making time to spend with God. That's where I was going earlier. So we have all these inputs that surround us, the phone and the computers and, you know, everything beeping and buzzing, trying to get your attention. It depends on how much you allow that to impact you. So if I allow all the world to constantly feed me, it's certainly not going to build my faith up. I've got to be like Enoch, turn everything else off, push it off to the side. I've got to walk with God. I've got to spend time with him. It's amazing what prayer can do. It's amazing how it can transform your thoughts. It's amazing how it can soften your attitude. It's amazing how it can rinse away the bitterness. It's amazing how it can give you a brand new outlook. That's why the devil doesn't want you to pray. He'll try to keep you from praying by making you sleepy, by distracting you with hunger, by distracting you with everything else. But, Christian, if you don't learn how to pray, I don't know that you'll survive. Enoch walked with God. My time is just about up. i got a few more minutes. All right, here we go. Verse 6. He pleased God. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, verse 6 shows us how he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Remember, faith is that pillar upon which everything else is built. You take the pillar away, you've got no spiritual building anymore. If you don't believe God... What do you believe? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why would you come to him if you don't believe that he can do something for you? So the whole fact that you're coming to God is, I believe that God hears my prayer and he can do something about it. That's why I'm coming to him. So I'm coming to him, asking him, God, do something in this situation. Now, sometimes I wonder if Christians, we don't forget that. Because things start happening, instead of us going to God and beseeching God to do something, people start panicking. They start uh, accepting all of the outer external inputs instead of accepting what God's Word says. And you want to ask them, hey, don't you believe God? Can't God still do miracles? Can't God still open the, the blinded eyes? Can't God still heal your body? Can't God still put money in your pocket when you need it? Isn't God still a provider? He is. He is. But when you have not prayed for a while and you've allowed all the input, I mean, we get natural input from the world on a daily basis. You're working with people, you're dealing, maybe you've got an unsaved husband, unsaved wife, you're dealing with people, unsaved people at work. Maybe you've got family members that are unsaved. All they've got is carnal input into you. Only you can determine, I need to get my face in the Bible. I need to get my heart alone with God. I need to get that spiritual input or else I'm going to be carnal. And a, and a carnal mind can't see God. You're taking the, the glasses off. And everything's suddenly it's blurry again. You can't understand why what's, what, this is happening or that's happening. A person that doesn't have faith is always feeling sorry for themselves. A person that doesn't have faith is always complaining. Why, God? Why me? Why is this going on? A person that has faith knows that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Jacob in the Old Testament said, all these things are against me. But really, it was all things working together, bringing them out of a land that didn't have food into a place of plenty. Amen? So it depends on the eyes of faith. We'll see things at the eyes of unbelief, self-pity, grumbling and murmuring. Why do they grumble? Why do they murmur? They didn't believe that God could provide for them. God didn't need a river. He could bring water out of a rock. God didn't need a bakery. He could give him bread every morning. God didn't need uh, uh, a jungle around. He could, he could fly in quails and surround him till it was thigh deep for days. God didn't need any of that. He just wanted them to believe him. And so sometimes you're wondering, well, how can God provide for me here? How can God do it here? He doesn't need human provision. Now, sometimes he works through that. Sometimes he may bless you with a, uh, a, a, a raise at work or a bonus. Sometimes something may, he may do it that way, whatever, whatever. But God doesn't need human provision to provide for you. He can bring something out of nothing. Amen. So we say, without faith, it's impossible to please him, he that... Cometh to God must believe that He is, that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You can't pray, you can't, uh, at the end of a football game, if a team is losing and it's the last play, then they, they will do what's called a Hail Mary. And so the quarterback will, will back up, all of the receivers will run to the end zone. Now the other team knows what's going to happen. And the quarterback tries to run around, give him enough time for all the receivers to get there. And he just throws this ball as far as he can. And all the defenders are down there trying to knock it out of the, the air. And occasionally, one out of a dozen or out of 30 or 40, one of the good guys will run up there and he'll grab it and he'll score the touchdown to win on the last play. They call that a Hail Mary. You know, sometimes people throw prayers up like Hail Marys with the same amount of expectation. Well, here goes. It probably won't work. Well, let me try. <laughs> I, know you're not, I, I know you're not around anywhere, God, and I, you've forgotten about me, and, and so I'm just going to cast it up there. Why don't you come to God and say, hey, God, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I know you love me, and I love you. I want to thank you for providing for me for these 10 years or these 20 years. I want to thank you. You've been good to me. Thank you for washing away my sins. Thank you for working on my character. Thank you for making it difficult so it makes me pray. Thank you, God, for not letting me get spiritually uh, fat and sassy. Thank you, God, for not letting me be. uh, (laughs) Yeah, you can smile. It's okay. You can smile in Bible study. Thank you, God, for not letting me get to the place where I no longer am pushed to reach for you. You never pray like you pray when you're in a battle. And so God allows battles to come your way. But in the midst of the battle, you've got to remember, God is a miracle worker. Now, I'm not God. My wife's not God. None of the brothers and sisters, the ministers are God. Sometimes you come to us, we're limited. I told you this before. I'm I'm done. I'm going to stop right here. Uh, In the Philippines, it was tough because people came on a regular basis that had legitimate needs. And sometimes, if they didn't have the money, they wouldn't get treated. 16-year-old girl who had cancer. And uh, I think it was her grandfather coming around asking. Tried to help as much as we can because if they don't get the money to treat him, she's going to die. It's you don't get to walk into the hospital and them treat you without you paying for it. People that their babies they didn't have money to get the medicine and the baby died. It's just the way it worked. And it was heartbreaking because you see that, you want to help them, amen. But I'm not Rockefeller. I'm not Gates or Bezos or I don't have an unlimited supply. Reverend Guderio, he was, I was the pastor, I was the missionary. He was there working with me. But he gave me great insight. And he said, you know, he was a very generous man. He made He made, uh, my wife and I were married couple, and they gave us a certain amount as a married couple, as a missionary. It wasn't extravagant, but it was enough to survive. And he made just a a portion of that. And uh, even though he made a portion of that, he was very wise and very, you know, thrifty, made it work. But he said, you know, we don't have an unlimited supply. We can't give to everybody we'd like to give to. But God is unlimited, and we can pray. It was just a great little bit of insight. You know, your heart's hurting. You see people. You know, you're, you're human. You want to help them. But sometimes you just don't have to help anymore. And he said, you know what? We can pray. We may not have it, but God does. Sometimes, Christians, we need to remember that. There's a lot of needs even in our country, in our families, in our neighborhoods. There's only so much that we can do, but we can pray. lady called me today, um, and she's going through some physical things, but I already knew what she was calling about. It's a good call. She called one through one thing, and everything worked out good. And she calls me and says, Pastor, I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid this is going on, that's going on. Can you pray? I said, Sir, Sure, sister, let's pray. And we prayed. And she made it through that one. And then everything came back good, but then they wanted to do something else. And she called me up and she said, Pastor, I got this test today. I said, You want us to pray? I said, Let's pray. I'm right there on the phone, she reached up to heaven. God, help my sister. Guide her, lead her, give her the peace of God. Let her sense your presence. Move in her life. And you could hear on the other line, she was sniffling and crying a little bit. But at the end of the prayer, it seemed like she had peace. Thank you. And she hung up. You know, sometimes I need prayer more than a $20 bill. Sometimes I need someone praying for me. Got my back. More than I need uh, a second account just in case I'm overdrawn financially. Amen? So you might not be able to always give, but you can always pray. And there's a God in heaven that can meet the needs. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful. You've given us this chapter of your word, because as we go forward, we're going to find not just Enoch and Abel as examples of faith, simple men that just had a simple trust in you. And because they believed you, they went down in history. We read about them today. God's still the thing that works, to simply trust you. Do what you said, the way you said it, with the right attitude, it'll work. Father, I pray that you would encourage each one tonight. Bring them up out of the the spirit that would try to rob them of their faith, their victory, their joy, and let them trust you. God, your word said that those who put their trust in you will not be ashamed. We put our trust in you tonight. We know you won't let us down. I thank you. I give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.